entertainment, inspiration, and building community. This is the soundtrack of Savannah. This is your Savannah Philharmonic. Welcome to the Savannah Philharmonics podcast, the soundtrack of Savannah. This is our very first episode. Very excited to kick things off. And my name is Dee Daniels. I could not think of two people uh, better to kick it off with than two of the sweethearts of Savannah. Amy Williams, executive director of the Savannah Philharmonic and Keitara Harada, music and artistic director. Both of you uh, have such a grand reputation here in Savannah. And it's very nice that we're sitting down and introducing uh, sort of behind the scenes to the Philharmonic to everyone in Savannah. So I'm excited. This is going to be a very fun podcast. And I think this is this is going to be very reflective of the season that has already kicked off. Amy, 15th season just kicked off. How did that start? And, and let's talk about where it's going. Yeah, we had a lot of fun. You know, we started um, by with performances in July at Richmond Hill, Mikvah Israel and over at St. Peter's Church on Skidaway. And it was just a lot of fun. We had a community come out and enjoy the concert, had a wine and ice cream social following one and had a good time. And it really does continue. And this trend that we have of something for everyone where we want to capture everyone being able to come to a concert and enjoying the experience together. This season, it's sort of a nonstop season. It's like, you know, you'll be able to find something pretty much several times a month even in some cases, which is fantastic. Yeah, we really are every month. And so we joke in the office, we're something for everyone every month. You can always find us. We will be popping up in churches, in libraries, in community centers, at the Lucas Theater, in neighborhood centers. It really does run the gamut of we can make any place be a performance space. Yeah. And it's true. I mean, it's happening and, and people are really responding here in Savannah, which is just fantastic. Um, so speaking of what's coming up next is the subscription concert start. And that's going to be August 26th at the Lucas Theater at 730, starting off with a bang, the genius of Mozart. Do we want to talk a little bit about what that's going to be all about? We have a wonderful guest conductor, Kellen Gray, um, who is originally from South Carolina, but he's um, assistant conductor at the Royal National um, Philharmonic in Scotland. And so he splits his time between UK and um, South Carolina. And it's a great opportunity. Subscription concerts are a great opportunity to showcase different talents um, throughout the country. And we have, you know, a Southerner coming to conduct another Southern orchestra, which would be great. And the program has um, a lot of Great favorites, for example, the Mozart Symphony Number no. Thirty Six, which is called the Linz, and then also the Mozart's Grand Partita, which is um, even if you didn't know the name of the piece, once you hear it, it's like, oh, it's that piece. And um, we have a, a contemporary piece by Nunes Garcia called Overture in D. So it's a great way to kick off the season with an intimate concert of Mozart at the Lucas Theater, and I'm just excited that you know we are performing this concert in August, which in the past, we never had a full orchestra concert in August. So this performing monthly is definitely a great way to kick off the 15th anniversary season. There's something for everyone every month. Yeah. And, and it's really the Lucas Theater. Oh, my goodness. What an amazing place. Uh, we were walking by the Lucas Theater last night, and it was just reminiscent of 
the end of the season, the last time we were there and how amazing that was. I know it's very significant to be a part of historic places here. Do you want to talk a little bit about the importance of, of performing there? Yeah, so the Lucas Theater has been our home. And that really is, you know, every orchestra needs a home. And that is at the at the Lucas and the historic theater. And it's just really captures all that Savannah stands for. Not every performance will be there because we also want to be in the community and be where people are living and in their neighborhoods. So it's a, the one space that we can all just kind of come together, have a stage and have that experience of really being in the concert hall. Yeah. And it, it, it's, it's such a grand feeling when you're, when you're in there. Kay, do you remember the first time you performed there and, and what that was like? My first concert there was in the fall of 2019. And then I did a program of Uzorgsky pictures at an exhibition and Bernstein Candide Overture. And what's beautiful about that place to be on stage is when you look into the audience, um, it's got the old structure. It's like, it's very timeless and the architecture is beautiful. And then when you're actually sitting in this audience side, looking at the stage, you know, it's an old theater um, that is again, the age has stopped and then you kind of like time slipped into the early 1900 and it's still reminiscence of that, the architecture and the feeling in there is always great. Um, the acoustic there is really fun too. You get to hear all kinds of different things depending on where you're seated at. Um, and it's very homey. Like mm -hmm. when I'm on that stage with the orchestra, with our audience, it feels like you know, a Sunday crock pot with mm. friends. That's true. It is such a good feeling in there. You're absolutely right. Very positive. Um, I've never felt a ghost tug at my shoulder or anything like that. Although <laughs> mm -hmm. that might be happening there. I have no idea. But uh, what a great history the Lucas Theater has. And Mr. Lucas obviously building so many wonderful theaters in the South and, and making that happen here in Savannah with all those ties. I, I feel like you guys are so um, just respectful of the history and, and a part of it at the same mm -hmm. time which is just pretty brilliant. What are we looking forward to after the first performance there at the Lucas Theater, August 26th? It really comes from there. We go into a Fill the Neighborhoods series, you know, where we're in Thunderbolt and Burnside and in Gordonston in September, and then another concert back at the Lucas on a Thursday evening uh, that time. And from there, we go into Fill the Park. So it's, it's really about every two weeks in September to early October, we bring the community together. And those are free concerts? Fill the Neighborhoods is free. Fill the Park is free. Yes. Um, and then the September concert is one of our subscriptions. So you can sort of capture us on either side of that and have a good time. And just the Fill the Neighborhood concerts are great because it's just about hanging out in the grass and hearing some great music and having a good time. It's really, really intimate. You know, it, it's sort of like Philharmonic unplugged, right? I mean, mm -hmm. <laughs> it's sort of that it's, mm -hmm. it's because it's not everyone that, that comes, right? right. right. It's chamber music. And then it's much, you know, it, sometimes we've kicked off these neighborhood series last season. Um, not Amy and I not knowing how it will come about really, 
but we asked different neighborhoods around Savannah if they would host us. And we performed from on the street in middle of us, you know, between houses to we performed in people's backyard. And we asked the HOA to, you know, promote it. And after the first weekend, we did nine of these, but after the first weekend, we had a lot of neighborhoods asking us, well, how can we get on the list? And it was really fun. It was a lot of fun. We actually have a wait list for neighborhoods for future seasons of, from people calling us saying, how, how can we get you there? Because it is. We bring a, a small group of musicians, a sound engineer, and it is a real connection, authentic connection to the community. Our musicians hang out afterwards, mm-hmm. uh, have a drink, as they are more than happy to do, and hang out in the neighborhood and the community and, and just have a real good time. The program's not stuffy at all because the we play music that are tuneful that people in the audience would recognize. And and it's just a good the most important aspect of it is is that it is live music. It is music that is being created right in front of you. You could feel the energy of the instrument, you could feel the energy of the instrumentalist. And it just builds the fan base, you know, like I want to see that person perform on the stage with the orchestra of sixty people or seventy people. And so it's just a little taste into what the Philharmonic is about. It was a great segue last year because when we did the Fill the Neighborhood series, it was three weekends in a row. And then the fourth weekend was at our Fill the Park at Forsyth Park. And we really didn't have an expectation of how many people will come to the concert, but then it didn't fit in Forsyth Park. We had more than 20,000 people. So, you know, (laughs) we weren't... (laughs) quite equipped for that but people were there it was crazy that's unbelievable and they rolled with it right like the community just rolled with it i wouldn't say we were equipped for the number of people that came out for each of the fill the neighborhoods concerts where like so if people are listening it's it's one of those get there early stake your spot (laughs) Mm -hmm. um there are hundreds of people that come out in these neighborhoods to hear us and but you know there's nothing like when some of our musicians at a fill the neighborhoods concerts invites people to come say hello to them right at the Lucas theater at fill the park. And, and we can navigate that. And that's where it's really special and something that is, is at the heart of, I wouldn't say just the Savannah Philharmonic, but it's the heart of Savannah Mm -hmm. of just inviting people to your porch. A lot of times with concert halls, you often find stages that are a little bit far from the audience that you don't really get to be close to what you see at the Savannah Philharmonic concert often before concert, during intermission, after concert, is that audience members are at the very edge of the stage saying hello to their friends on stage. And that's really touching because you really get the sense of, okay, this is Savannah Philharmonic, which is an orchestra for Savannah, supported and loved by this community. You know, I'm thinking about like the younger kids too, when, when they are watching you play and they are just mesmerized and to be able to come up and speak to you afterwards and say, you know, can I touch your instrument? Can I, you know, tell me about how you learned how to do this? I mean, that, that sort of like, that is a Savannah thing, I think, where it's so natural to have a conversation and it's welcome and it's almost Mm -hmm. expected in Savannah, but to be able to have that also happening in the Philharmonic. That's so special. And I know that's what's happening with these fill the neighborhoods and certainly fill the park and, and even the concerts. Right. It's what we really want to do is always take that. Well, we break down and fill the neighborhoods and fill the park. 
we want to move that to the concert hall so that there's literally no barriers to coming into a concert hall for the first time. If you're not sure, if you're not clear as to something, there's someone that you can ask, whether it's a volunteer, whether it's a staff member, we're all there. But it's also just the musicians that are hanging out in the lobby during beforehand, hanging out in the hall. And and just that that barrier is gone. Yeah, it's super special. And I, I think people in Savannah feel it. So I don't know if you guys know, but after one of the concerts, you know, I was able to, to gather some of the audience reaction to Kay uh, because Kay is quite electric uh, up on the stage. And and so I wanted to see if any of these fit if any of these words describe you and which one you might i'm so nervous are now. you okay <laughs> uh, well don't be nervous they're all so good but see which one see <laughs> okay. which one resonates with all you right, the most um so you know k is blank okay and, uh imaginative was one of the more common okay. uh, also energetic mm. um creative mm -hmm. best hair on stage um Conductor. I'm just going to say that was a couple of your hair. I got that right. Charismatic and gifted. Okay. Is okay. there one that resonates most with you? I would. I like the word imaginative. I think that is a word that I um, take pride on, but also very. Um, it's something that is really important because as leaders of the art and of an arts organization, Amy and I strive to do concerts and programming that only Savannah Philharmonic can do in Savannah. And that requires a lot of imagination. Uh, we're both not from Savannah. We've been here for three seasons. We're, you know, in the big picture of things about Savannah, we're still new, but we're quickly learning about Savannah. And we serve a community that loves the Philharmonic, that loves the arts. And if we did things that worked from where we came from respectively, like Amy came from LA, I came from Cincinnati, it may not work here. So we try to find what actually works that people in Savannah can be like, okay, this is our Philharmonic playing for our community. So imagination is a word that really um, hits home to me. And where does that come from for you? Where did you, where, where did that, that start for you in, in your career? That's something I'm sure that you're doing so much of in many places. Mm -hmm. I think what, what the importance of it is identity. An orchestra and arts organization needs an identity um, that is very true and organic and honest to that community. Um, we here in Savannah have a rich history with um, a lot of kinds of music. Um, but what makes Savannah special is that it's got two parts. One is the community of Savannah that has been here for generations. And then there is a big community in Savannah that has been here for, you know, that re came here recently, right? So with a lot of different cultures. So how do we mix this crock pot? Um, in our program, we have programs and repertoire that, um, we honor, you know, Johnny Mercer, Gershwin, people who have a history here. Um, and at the same time, we bring in new culture, like repertoire of music that are composed by new composers that are still living, that has never been played in Savannah. So it's, you know, programming is really fun. And then we, it's a trial and error too, because sometimes we do things that really like hit really at home and, it's a great success. And sometimes we play music that are like, hmm, okay, well, we're not going to do that again. Right. <laughs> but, you know, one, one tune that is always just 
hits home to Savannah is Moon River. Mm. Like that's sort of like the national anthem of Savannah. And if we do it all the time, you know, it kind of loses its value. But we are very careful of when we put Moon River. Yeah, the placement is is I'm sure yeah. well crafted. Yeah. Um, Amy, let's talk a little bit about that that interesting Savannah crock pot because uh, you've had uh, quite a hand in bringing together. And I know this is such a passion of yours really bringing together, you know, the performance, the music, the art, and bringing the community and making that relationship so strong that it all feels like it belongs to each other. How have you done that here? And and how every season now are you kind of reinventing that and making it better? Yeah, well, I think, um, you know, no matter what the season at the heart of it, it comes down to what we believe in so much and what you said, like, that everyone does belong together. So it is that element of every detail of coming to a performance, whether it's a fill the neighborhoods, whether it's a fill the park, whether it's one of our subscription concerts, that no matter where you, no matter what your background is, when you walk into the hall, you're equal. Mm. And we can all have the same experience together. It's so it comes down like that's at the heart of it. So that's behind every single Thing that we do from the way we even answer the phone in the office to sell a ticket to when Kay and I welcome people on stage from the stage and those pieces. But then it's also just the constant listening to the community. So it's hearing what they like, what they don't like, being willing to respond to that internally. And I would say that's something that's unique about our organization is that Kay and I are able to have this conversation all the time and to own it of, what concerts worked, what didn't work, what programming worked, what programming didn't work. But also I think we're grateful that Savannah's along is willing to go along for the ride with us to just, all right, we're going to try something together. And none of us might like it and we won't do that again, but someone might. And then we can, we can build and adapt that. But I would say it really comes down to the heart of literally every single move we make organizationally. And right down to ticket prices, making sure that ticket prices are affordable to all of Savannah. The other great thing too is the community chorus piece. I mean, that's amazing. You know, bringing community to the chorus to be able to be a part. I mean, people are like, uh, where can I sign up? What can I do? You know, that's become such a wonderful thing. It really has. And that's something, you know, Kay is very much a part of. Like, yes, we have a chorus master and they rehearse weekly. But Kay is also always there and always encouraging them. And you're right, like it's a group of 80 very diverse individuals from the Savannah region, right? Like they're not just coming from Savannah, but they we have people that drive in from Richmond Hill for the chorus. And, and really that group could probably grow as large as we wanted it to. Uh, we have limited space. Right. That, you know, you can only fit so many players, on, musicians on stage. Um, but we're excited to have them part of it as well. Yeah, it's a big deal. And, and you know, I think a lot of people are are so interested in how to be a part of it. And I know so many people are interested in, in, in what you guys are doing, not only uh, what they see, but also behind the scenes. Kay, I want to talk a little bit about your background, which is just amazing. I know a lot of people want to know a little bit more about you um, and beyond the great hair, maybe. I don't know. But, you know, you've got so much that you bring to the table 
and you're everywhere. You're not just in Savannah. You just, you know, finished doing some wonderful things in Cincinnati and you were just talking about that. And I mean, you're performing in, in Asia, in Europe, you're, you're everywhere. You know, where do you call home? What, what's, what's home for you? For, home for me is Savannah because this is where I'm the music director, the artistic director. This is my, you know, my number one child here where, you know, I have to, I'm responsible for a lot of different things here. Um, and so this is definitely home. And it's a sort of, um, I'm coming back home because I did my undergraduate at Mercer University in Macon, Georgia. I did my master's at Macon, Georgia. So, you know, Georgia has been a great part of my upbringing. And my first professional job was the Macon Symphony Orchestra when I was still in school in Mercer. So like, this is a state that gave me my first opportunity. Um, and it's great to be, you know, having had time to go away from Georgia. I lived in Arizona, I lived in Virginia, I lived in Ohio, and it's just serendipitous that I'm being, you know, was asked to come back here to this state to um, work with the Savannah Philharmonic. But I'm originally from Tokyo, um, born and raised there, um, surrounded by millions of people. And then to for me, coming to the U.S., I went to Interlocking for High School, which is in Michigan, which the population was much smaller than my, like, you know, 50-mile radius that I had, grew up in. And so, you know, it was a big culture shock, but at the same time, it was it was allowed me to focus on the arts. I love music. I love all kinds of, like, storytelling of music, like opera, musical theater. I wanted to be a musical. I wanted to be on Broadway. That's That was, like, my passion. But, um, but I got sucked into the opera the ballet and telling music story through music is a great opportunity i cherish it every moment and i and then when i was at cincinnati i was with the symphony i was with the pop so i got to perform with a lot of great artists um not just on the classical side but like you know sharing the stage with like Kristen chenoweth or aretha franklin and like um boys to men and you know these just wonderful pop artists that are so inspiring and they're entertainers. They make people want to come to concerts and just kind of all this energy I bring to here to Savannah where what is all of my past experience? How can I bring all of that to, to make the art scene, the performance art scene, the entertainment scene in Savannah better? Yeah. So that is my background and I love being here. You can tell. You can tell. I mean, if you are if you're ever on Kay's Instagram or uh Twitter. By the way, I lost like a half a day of work just scrolling through your Twitter the other day. <laughs> um which is in another language. Mm -hmm. So that I mean, it's not like I couldn't read it, but I'm watching the videos and and I'm this one that I was mesmerized by. Mm. This woman playing what was labeled as a water concerto. Oh, yeah, yeah. That was crazy. Yeah. Unbelievable. It is. I mean, just unbelievable. So if you're looking for, you know, uh, just fun some, content. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Twitter has a lot of fun, crazy content. And then Instagram is more catered towards my profession. But yeah, it's so good. Yeah. So, yes, I, I enjoyed that very much. But anyway, yeah, you can definitely tell how much you love Savannah. You yeah. Know, especially just watching you know you walk down the streets you know mm -hmm. taking pictures and videos of that i mean it obviously has made such an impression on you mm -hmm. no this is definitely home and then, you know i also split time because i'm also the conductor for tokyo symphony and so i go back and forth often but like you know my creative energy is really focused on how to make savannah philharmonic 
wonderful and it's really fun. Amy, you know, I feel like um, uh, with all of the, the fill the park and the fill the neighborhoods, you know, there's this extension that is going into the community and then you guys have something every month that's going on, you know, and, and people are just like, okay, where are you going to be? When are you going to be? How am I going to, which place? I got to map out the calendar. Um, and, and your website has just all the information. So that's always the, the <laughs> greatest place to go there because you'll be able to mark the dates. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, which mark them early. Are, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I mean, being sold out is a very real thing uh and it happens and so yeah early is the word right it is it is early is the word you know last season we saw as we leaned into the community we saw the community lean back into us which was beautiful it was completely amazing something that Kay and I have never truly experienced to that level mm -hmm. before and then so yeah like we we are anticipating every show the rate that everything's selling we're anticipating everything sold out but you know, but the heart of it is still there. So yes, plan early, come early to fill the neighborhoods to get your spot, come early to fill the park to get your spot, but we can guarantee you're going to have a good time and it's going to be fun. And when it comes down to it, it is that we represent Savannah. So, and Savannah represents us. So it's this, this wonderful push and pull that we've, that's just beautiful for Savannah. Yeah. Speaking of beauty, like, you know, Savannah is a place where we have, you know, people who live here and we have a lot of people who just visit here. Right. But it, we're really much focused on people who live here. Absolutely. And there is this fear of missing out in Savannah, because if something is a hype or if a trend or if something's happening, like the people, the community of Savannah wants to be there and want does not want to be left out when pe everyone else is talking about it the next day. So, you know, Amy, why don't you share about what happens during the week of a concert? Usually, right. Yeah. So, you know, as we say plan early, we mean plan early because the week of the concert, Kay and I will receive, especially if the show is sold out, Kay and I will receive a lot of texts. <laughs> you know, it's very, e I wouldn't say it's easy, but if you know people, you can always, as a Savannah local, you can always get into a restaurant at the last minute or you can make a call and get something. Someone knows someone. Someone knows someone. We all know someone yeah, here. Exactly. Right. We all do. So, and we've all used it. Yeah. So Kay and I will rece start receiving texts of, well, you've got to have tickets. What do you mean it's sold out? And what I love is sometimes they'll text me and I'll say it's sold out. I don't have anything. Then they text Kay. To ask him it's if it's real, answer. right? It's, when mom says no, ask the other exactly, one. Exactly. <laughs> and it's the same answer. So, because, you know, we have people and uh, on our team that are behind us saying, there really are no tickets, Amy <laughs> and Kay. Like, mm -hmm. I've, I cannot make magic happen. <laughs> so, um, it really, it starts a trickle effect. So, when we stand on stage and we say, there really are no tickets. And the community has really adapted because after we've launched the 23-24 season back in the early spring of this year, you know, the best way to secure your ticket is subscribing. And the subscription sales have gone really quickly. And during the summertime, we actually would had to stop subscription um, because if we had kept the sales of subscription available, then 
the house would have just been sold out and there would be no single ticket. So, you know, to give opportunities for people who may not want to come to all of the shows, but some of the shows are people who are traveling to Savannah to be able to buy shows. We have to have those seats available. So it's an, it's a success that we don't quite see in our industry. And it's, yeah. it's a good feeling to have. It's a really good feeling. And, and it truly does make Savannah special. It is not anything that we've experienced before. And we've been in very large markets, right? Like the LA market, the Cincinnati mm-hmm. market, and we've never seen this before. Um, and so it's a lot of fun. And, and we do have, as Kay said, we did stop selling subscriptions. So we would make sure we have single tickets available, but it still means that people need to look ahead at their calendar and buy ahead of time right. to be able to, to join us because we have a lot of fun programs. Yeah. Yeah. The, I mean, goodness, the lineup is just fantastic. And, and really, it, you know, if you're able to get a ticket, get a ticket early, that would be the yes, way to go. It's true. That would be the way to go. Um, I also like too that like with the, the subscription tickets, you know, it's, it's, if you're not going, you can hand those off to somebody, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's, it really is trying to make it available you know, to everyone as much as, as much as possible. Right. And people can actually, you know, they can give them to another, to a friend to go, but they can also return them to our office. We give a tax letter for that. It's a, turns into a donation and then we can utilize them so we can keep flipping them. So, but it's a benefit to someone returning them as well. So it's not just don't show up. Right. Exactly. Um, all right. So let's talk a little behind the scenes um, as we lead up to um, a performance, because a lot of people want to know what's the preparation for a concert look like? Mm-hmm. So uh, programming for the concert, like choosing the music, choosing who the guest artist, who, who the guest conductor, um, when it's going to be really starts around two years before. Um, and then the first thing that happens is securing the venue. So Lucas Theater. At SCAD is a very busy place. Uh, we have a beautiful relationship with them, which is helpful. And then we, you know, send our requests of here are the dates that we want um, to perform and, and give them alternatives too, of course. We then have um, an opportunity for figuring out, okay, how do we want to balance the season? Um, do we want to do like a classical concert here? Do we want to do a more popular concert here? And balancing out like i would not want to conduct everything like i if i if the community saw me conduct every concert then they get kind of get used to me right so it's good for the community to see different conductors and they are it's good for the orchestra to experience different conductors so we have engaged calendar to come and conduct and then we ask him you know what are your you know strength what piece would you like to conduct in savannah and so he is the one who programmed the pro concert and then with with our commentaries too, like with our advice and stuff. And that's where it gets started. We have our orchestra knows about the repertoire ahead of time. They prepare. Um, Usually the orchestra comes in that week, about three or four days before the concert. We rehearse for about two to three days and then we perform. And then that's sort of how it goes. What are rehearsals like? Crazy, stressful, chaotic? Rehearsals are two and a half hours a session um, with a 15-minute break. And I, to me, the rehearsal is where the magic really happens. Um, you have about 60 to 80 musicians on stage. They all come prepared with the repertoire. 
Um, and they all come in with an idea of how they like the music to be performed. They have their imagination. They have their experience. Either they've played it m- many times before or it's their very first time. But they come with a vision of how the music to them feels the best. Um, for me, the first rehearsal is a place, on an opportunity for me to understand what everyone wants to do without saying a word. By hearing what they play, I could understand, oh, this is how someone wants to phrase it this way. This is the way, this is how fast someone wants to play. This is how slow someone wants to play. And you take that all in. And it's sort of like a football team where you have a coach and coach gives direction, but you have to see what all of the key players want to do. What are the strengths? What are the weaknesses? And in that first rehearsal, we understand what the common denominator is. And then this is all done without talking. We just kind of feel each other out. And then once we figure out, once I figure out what the common denominator is, it has to be so attractive that everyone on stage will go for that common denominator for the next three days. Wow. It may be an interpretation that someone may not like at all. It may be an interpretation I may not like at all, but the group energy is that this is the direction that we want to go in. Even though we all came in with all our you know, definitive idea of how this piece should be performed. But it's an attractive n- enough that everyone wants to go for that goal for just those three days. And, and then when it comes to the time of performance, the conductor who makes no sound, absolutely no sound, becomes the player like i become the second violinist i become the fourth french horn player and be with them when they need their help be with them when they have a difficult passage just acknowledge it have an eye contact know that you're trusting them because they have faith in you and you have faith in them and you're just really overseeing everything that happens not demanding but you're just there with them playing together wow <laughs> it's cool. really it's really special and i would say you know coming because i i was a player like coming from the other side of it it is and what Kay was saying like there is that that magic that happens because if you're a a player like i was a bassoonist and so if i knew that i had a difficult passage coming up i would be watching intently waiting for the conductor to basically say go and we're going to do this together with no words but just all eye contact and body language. So you'd be within that element or within those seconds with him. And then he goes on to the next piece, but also as a player, like you're passing it off, right? So you have your moment, then you pass it off to someone else in the orchestra to take on their, their time. As a general rule, orchestras don't like when conductors talk to them. Correct. So it's, so you have two and a half hour rehearsals three to four times. That's about 10 hours together when the conductor's in charge of the rehearsal. But the more the conductor talks, the energy level goes down. Mm. So what do you do in those 10 hours, right? Right. Yeah. It is an element of don't tell me, show me. Mm-hmm. Ah. Show me what you want me to do and I'll respond and be clear about it. Yeah. The energy relationship is really what it is, right? It's just it that it's it, we're not speaking, but we are getting ready to create something really beautiful together. Right. And so I've got to hold your hand and you've got to hold mine. 
And then I've got to stop holding your hand. I've got to hold this person's hand. And mm-hmm. we're all doing that together. What, and it's, that's mad. What a magical moment. And mm-hmm. then you get to perform it in front of people. Right. Do you still get nervous right then at that performance moment? Not really. I don't think I get nervous. Um, I had a great teacher during my undergrad, um, a wonderful um, professor who came to my rehear- a recital. I gave a recital during my freshman year, and she said, are you nervous? And I said, yeah. And she said, do you know why humans get nervous? And I said, mm, I'm not 100% sure. And she said, well, musicians get nervous because they know they could have done better and prepared better. Wow. And so in order for you to not get nervous, just practice more. And then the nerves subside. Yeah. Because it becomes and, second nature kind of for you to perform. Yeah. Because you know you could have done, you could have prepared better. Now, on stage, there's a, there's a thing called adrenaline. And that's not nervous energy. That's just ed- energy that you're excited about. But it's very different from nerve, nervous energy. So when my teacher said that, I'm like, well, you're right. I should have just practiced a little bit more and I would have been more prepared. I don't think I would have been nervous at that moment, at that very spot that everyone could tell that I was nervous. Yeah, I heard the same thing, actually. Mm-hmm. Like, if you're prepared, you will not be nervous. You will be excited, which mm-hmm. is adrenaline. And excited is fine. And that might have some of the same elements of nervousness. But you will not actually be nervous because you are actually fully prepared. Mm. So if you're not fully prepared, then... You, his statement was, if you're not fully prepared, then you deserve to be nervous. Right. <laughs> That's so, a good one. And, it, and he also said, you know, as we talk about the orchestra and what's on stage and what's created, the other element of that whole situation is that whatever they decide and whatever the orchestra, the direction they decide to go in, they have to make it so that it goes beyond the footlights of the stage, right? Like, so then they have to get it into the audience so that the audience feels it which is a whole nother level mm-hmm. because if the audience doesn't feel it, then they just watch a bunch of people at work. It's mm-hmm. sort of like being the, in the back of the room, you've got to hear and feel it same way. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Know? Yeah. And you've got to, you've got to have it go across the whole audience. Mm-hmm. The rehearsal process really is setting the backbone. Like this is, you know, I'm going to turn left on the third street and then it's going to be a right at the tree. And then at this slant, you're going to go left and then, you get to the destination. But the performance, you have no idea if there's going to be a child that's going to come in front of that car. You have no idea if your tire is going to break. You, but you have the backbone to get to the destination. But you, that journey from point A to point B, you don't know what really is going to happen in a performance. But you're equipped enough that you know if anything happens, you can maneuver through it. Or if anything exciting happens, you take you know you pick up a hitchhiker you know <laughs> then you like take that person to another place and then come back on that street you know side note always be cautious when you're picking up <laughs> exactly. as a public service <laughs> have you had to maneuver anything uh crazy that happened in a all exciting the, and all the time yeah like to give you a recent example i did a concert and there was a it was the dvorak cello concerto after the first when I gave the first note of the first movement and I heard something pop Ooh. and it was a bassoon 
key that popped. And then I'm like, oh, that's going to be bad. And then while that piece was going on, it's about, you know, 17 minutes in the first movement, I see moving bassoons because the principal bassoon had to give up the give it to the second player and the second player had to give it to the first. And then after the first movement, we had to take a little pause because they had to go and fix the instrument. And during this awkward 10 minute, which felt like 40, um, I asked the soloist to play some music <laughs> and entertain the audience because we couldn't, we didn't have anything else to play. Well, at least someone could play. And yeah, 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 said, hey, you know, yeah, there's like it. a broken tire in the yes. middle of the street. You got to fix it hey, because yeah. you still have to get to the final destination. Right. Things like this happen all the time. Oh, yeah. It like, what it, I don't know what is it is about performances. Like in you can't rehearsal, control live. You can't control live. You that can't control live, right? So it's this idea of athletes talk about, it, right? You can control the controllables. You cannot control live, right? Mm -hmm. So it's away we go, and we'll see what happens. Let's see how it rolls out. Yeah. And, I mean, the in LA there was a concert where we had an earthquake in the middle of it, right? Like wow. a, and giant pause. <laughs> Right. Orchestra leaves the stage. The moment happens. Orchestra comes back on and continues performing. Here we go. <laughs> wow. Yeah, you, I, I think it's all about having the right attitude. You have to embrace that moment. Absolutely. You know, because there's really nothing you can do to fix it. Like, <laughs> it's no one's real fault. It just, things happen. You know, life it, goes on. It's live. Yeah. And it goes back to that organic thing. Like, it's yeah. like, it's life. Life is organic. I mm -hmm. mean, you really kind of want to see everyone just what are we going to do with this cool let's have fun with it <laughs> right it's really like going on a blind date it's like going you know performing a concert it's like going on a blind date because you and that partner have prepared so much for this blind date so that's the audience versus the orchestra on stage right the orchestra has prepared so much to present the best of best possible and then you get on stage you meet your date and then <laughs> some things just don't go the right way they, you you think you know right right <laughs> but oh, you whoops, adapt to they, it they were a bad kisser who knew right. Right. it's like you, know? you just have to adapt to it yes but the yes. program is always different so the next time right like the audience comes back and it's a different blind date exactly. right because the music's different exactly <laughs> it's like speed dating it is speed dating. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What are you guys looking forward to most uh, as the 15th season has kicked off? What are you looking forward to most for this season? I would say the diversity of the season is really celebratory for the 15th anniversary season. Um, I have to, you know, thank the community for staying with us for this long. And then through the 15 seasons that... 14th season that the Savannah Philharmonic has done a lot has we've learned a lot and then looking at the history and looking at the three seasons that Amy and I have done we've learned a lot and we have grown a lot with the community so I'm excited that we have a program filled with guest artists of world-class caliber conductors we have a programming that has you know celebrating the Beatles 60th anniversary to, you know, performing in the United States. We're celebrating the centennial of Rhapsody in Blue. We are going into communities that we've never been to before. We are, you know, doing some of the Savannah favorites, like Fill the Park, where, you know, we have 20,000 people coming in. We are doing, 
you know, a concert in the holiday season, which features a lot of Savannah musicians that you often see at restaurants, at wedding gigs, on River Street. You have, we're telling their story through their lens, through music. A lot to be celebrated. It's a very exciting season for me. Yeah, I'm excited for, you know, what what Savannah is really allowing us to do. I'm, I'm going to say personally, I'm very excited for several pieces. I think I said it beforehand. There are some of my favorites um, in this season because I remember how special they were to me when I performed them or heard them for the first time, right? In August, it's Grand Partita, but I would say my all-time favorite piece is Verity Requiem because of my, the experience that I had when I played it for the first time. It was my first professional gig where I was paid to play and I was sitting next to my teacher, which is sort of a terrifying point as well, right? To sit next to the person that's teaching you, but also there's just some amazing moments in that piece. So for me, it's, it's being, having the opportunity for what Kate programmed to take a favorite, the favorite pieces of mine and share them with Savannah and talk to people in the community that may not even know who Verity is or why would they want to come to Requiem? And it's like, and it's had the conversation of come join me with this. Like, let me show you what I love and let's experience this together. And it's okay if you don't love it. Um, but I want to bring this to you. And that, and that's really special for me too. There's a portion of the Savannah Philharmonic story that we tell every year that most of the community that doesn't see, which is super exciting is our education program. Yeah, I love our education programs. We're actually um, announcing as a Savannah Philharmonic Community Music School, which captures all of our programming. You know, we introduce instruments to kids. We work alongside music teachers to help make sure that everyone in the band room, in the classroom is successful. We have an instrument loan program so that students that can't afford an instrument can have access to one so that they can play. And then we, you know, and this ranges all the way up through every, this coming season, we have every fifth grader in the Savannah region coming to a concert at the Johnny Mercer Theater, which is, if people are doing some math, that is 10,000 students, um, fifth graders mm, over <laughs> over two days. It will be, That's gonna be amazing. a whirlwind, but it's something that Kay and I, we love those shows. They are loud, they are fast, it's high energy, but there's nothing like it. And then, you know, we, we have adult education classes. You know, I think a lot of people may think of like, oh, an orchestra has these pre-concert talks that are really boring before the show and someone's gonna try to give us a history lesson. We've taken that and we've, we collaborate with Senior Citizens Inc. and the Learning Center to have classes for adult education so that people can learn about the history of the music and an in-depth knowledge for that. So it is, it's a community music school that just brings together this base to the Philharmonic to really ensure that, we ha that we're longstanding. Yeah, it's amazing to see how the community is, is really taken by what you're doing and they're like, wow. And, and so, you know, everybody wants to be a part of it. And, and I feel like that's happening even more uh, this 15th. Season. And we just want to make sure that people always feel that they can be. You know, one of the things that I always think about for our education programs, it's not that we want every child to play an instrument. Like we want every child to play an instrument. 
we want every child to know that they could play an instrument should they want to. I think that's really a differentiator. It's up to the kids. It's up to the community whether they want to access it. But it's we're going to keep showing up to make sure that people know who we are. Because you know, what we didn't speak to, you know, part of our community programming is also we're performing in children's hospital in the lobby for kids and families. Um, we pop up at St. Joseph Candler in the lobby. We pop up in the libraries during story time. It's, it's truly that we can show up and play anywhere so that people can access us in wherever they're comfortable, which really comes back to that, this idea that we talk a lot about of being something for everyone, but also being truly community focused arts organization. It's first and foremost, what does the community need from us? Because at any point, if Kay and I hear from people, we don't like that. You shouldn't do that. Whether we believe in it or not, or think it's important or not, we'll stop doing that to adapt to what the community would like to see. It's about Savannah, first and foremost. You've also been known to say yes to someone just calling and saying, could you guys come perform for this thing that we have? You know, you've been known to say yes to these things. I we mean, do say yes to those amazing. things when we, can, when we can do it. And if right. it makes sense, like we do say, say yes to them and we'll figure it out if it makes sense or we'll make sure if it doesn't make sense for us, we want to be that resource. So who can we put you in touch with to get whatever music the needs are? Yeah. We'll always answer the phone. We popped up in a wedding one time. We did. <laughs> we did pop up in a wedding one time. Yeah, and it just worked out in the schedule because our musicians were available, and it was a day that we were we could do it. So yeah, yeah. that totally happened. Yeah, we did have we had a, a wedding flash mob. Yeah, exactly. That's the kind of community effort you guys have going on. And constantly. I'll say though, our musicians are willing to do it though. Yeah, too yeah, right. Like there's true. there's not a yeah. It's not, sometimes I think people are like, oh, musicians are, they're stuffy and they're not doing it. The flash mob in the wedding, I'm, the violinist literally climbed over the balcony <laughs> to enter so that they could hide. <laughs> so our musicians are willing to, to go along for this ride too. And I think that's also very special. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. Uh, so follow along because uh, this is going to be a fantastic podcast to show you uh, every episode to sort of just show you what's going on in the community, what's going on. Uh, with with the Philharmonic and how Savannah is responding to that. We're going to end with a game uh, called From Here to There. So uh, you guys obviously are so gifted and talented with music and you study music and you and you program music and you're you're so artful with all of it. But the question is, what music moves you? So the from here to there part, the category is uh, the music that moves you the most. So talking from your professional catalog, the music that moves you the most to the music that moves you the most from today, like a good Taylor Swift or a good, you know, whatever moves you. I heard Prince this morning and I, you know, was very moved. So. All right. Um, I love Casey and Jojo all my life. Wow. It was the first slow dance music I ever danced to. <laughs> I knew there must be a good story on it. It was either that or TLC's Waterfall, but I think it was mm. Casey and JoJo. <laughs> I was TLC's so nervous, and then it moved me. 
But is it <laughs> on like Delilah or like you know like it pops up on a on a on a nineties or you know radio station? I'm like, oh yeah, that. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. That's or the instrumental version in an elevator. You're like, yes, yeah. this is me. I, I I love it. I um I don't listen to classical music on my free time because what I do is classical music. So I love a lot of pops. Um, I, there's a lot of Adele songs that I love. Lady Gaga, Taylor Swift, Katy Perry. Um, and some of the oldies too. Like I grew up listening to Beatles. I l- grew up listening to Michael Jackson. Um, so tons, tons, tons. But if Classical tune-wise, um, I got, I think Bernstein's West Side Story has a, made a huge impact on me. When I heard that music, when I saw the movie, it was the coolest thing on the planet. And that's what motivated me to become a saxophonist. And so if I had to choose one classical piece, that would be West Side Story. Love it. Amy, you're up. I'm trying to think of like the one from current i mean i'm from massachusetts so right so i there there are two that i that come to mind right away sweet caroline oh because it's a great song okay it's a great song but also there is something magical about it when it's in fenway seventh inning stretch and the entire fenway park is singing sweet caroline Mm mm-hmm and and it's just it's special right mm-hmm. like there's an element to it but then i don't know any pop song again from the 90s from high school early 2000 if i can memorize it within one hearing <laughs> i will love it and i will love it to the point that i sort of i go through them so i wear them out mm-hmm. because now as an adult you should really only probably listen to a song five times on repeat yes until you need to move on to the next one. Well, you so, also like, you know, because riding in the car, we ride in oh, the yeah. car together. Kay knows all of so, my... Like, I know majority of her Spotify playlists, but you are a big Disney person. I am a very big Disney person. Yeah. I am a very big Disney person. Every single one of them I know. Wow. All of the Disney princess songs I know. Yeah. Little Mermaid, Beauty and the Beast. Who's your favorite princess? I don't have a favorite princess. Okay. That's, it depends on the day. That's true. But Even the, the current ones, Frozen. Kane mm-hmm. knows that if he programs something Frozen, I'll be like, can we have a sing-along? <laughs> <laughs> and my <laughs> husband knows that like, even if Kay says no, we are not going to have a giant group sing-along, he will have to listen to me sing Of course. To that. Yes. You're um, a big Disney person, that's I for am, sure. I am a big Disney person. Mm-hmm. So, well, And I want- don't also listen to much classical music <laughs> on my... <laughs> because we, we do it though. we do it every course, day yes you know i share that i love verity requiem i love grand partita because sure. i'm a wind player and right i remember every classical piece it's really based on either the first time i really heard it or the first time i played it there was something about the moment mm-hmm. that it captured me but but yeah i'm a big pop person <laughs> which is great i mean it makes sense right yeah. you guys do you guys do the classical stuff my dad, day in, day out. And yeah, my dad did, did sing Barbershop, so I am known oh, that I can do a good nice. four-part harmony awesome. of any good Barbershop tune. That's um, always popular here in the South. It really is. It's it's good to, you know, 
be able to bust out four part harmony <laughs> barbershop quartet Everybody music. Everybody loves that. Absolutely. <laughs> um, it's going to be a, a magical season. I know it is. And, and certainly I think this podcast is going to certainly bring so much of that conversation to the table for people to hear behind the scenes and to hear uh, all of these wonderful things. What are you guys looking forward to on the podcast? I mean, as far as the community being able to really just kind of hear a little bit more of your stories. I think the beauty about podcasts is that you can play while you're driving. You can play in the background while you're, you know, at home. Um, You don't have to sit and dedicate yourself to reading about it. I think hearing the voice of the artist, hearing the voice of us who run the Philharmonic, talking about the back, back behind the scene, hearing the voice of some of the artists and guests that are coming onto this podcast next um, allows an opportunity to get closer and get to know that person a little bit more. And when you see them on stage, when you see them on street, you have, you know, maybe four or five things that you can approach them about based on what they heard on the podcast. So I think that's the beauty of the podcast. Yeah, I'm excited for listeners to feel the personal connection with us. For us, it's, you know, from just hearing what we are doing and how we care about it, it's personal. So it'd be great, like, it's to bring that to the listeners, for the listeners to really see that through and through so that people are comfortable about coming to say hello. If it's their first time, even if it's their first time coming to a concert, and they're not sure, like, oh, should I approach the stage and say hello to Kay, who's, you know, he might be busy. He would love to say hello to people. Yeah, and Amy and I are usually in the lobby when people walk in. So, mm-hmm. like, it's, right, it's, we're pretty approachable. Yeah, but all of our musicians, too, though, whether right. it's a guest artist, whether it's a soloist, whether it's one of our string players, it's that element of you really can come up and say hello. It's okay. Yeah. and now We like it. Now, if, if people see you, they, they're going to come up and sing. So that'll be awesome. Mm-hmm. If you hear it's a all sweet good. <laughs> from the back of the room, you know. I'll bust out singing. Good. It's all good. Exactly. <laughs> uh, we'll continue to follow along uh, for the Savannah Philharmonics, uh, the soundtrack of the Savannah podcast. It, it, is, it is truly, you guys are truly the soundtrack of Savannah. Um, and I think that people getting to know you on a more personal level will just make it even bigger and better. So I'm looking forward to what this season of this podcast is going to bring. Thank, Thank you. you Thank you. Thank you. Welcome to your open invitation to enjoy music with your friends and neighbors. This is the soundtrack of Savannah. You can also show support by sponsoring a season concert or our Fill the Neighborhood series or annual Fill the Park event in Forsyth Park. You can even sponsor one of our talented musicians or host them in your home during the season. Planned giving from individual community partners to corporate sponsorships creates opportunities for the Savannah Philharmonic to grow and also allows you to leave a legacy, ensuring the organization continues to entertain, inspire, and build community for generations to come. For more information on sponsorship levels and a full list of concerts and community events, please visit us at savannahphilharmonic.org. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram, and be sure to subscribe to the Sav Phil podcast you're listening to right now so you can be in the know, behind the scenes, and center stage at your Savannah Philharmonic.